Welcome to the latest episode of the Create Smarter Podcast. I am Phil DiMartino. Today, we're going to be talking all about how to approach your event as if you were a news organization. I'll be joined by Tyler Pyburn, who has a little bit of experience himself working in traditional news in a news organization, to share some tips from a recent event he worked, some ideas about how you can get ahead of the game before your event, planning to capture content as if you're a news organization, as well as some ways to staff so that you can make sure you get the most out of the event. Should be a great conversation. Let's do it. Welcome to this episode of the Create Smarter Podcast. I am Phil here with Tyler. Hello, Tyler. Hello, Phil. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? I'm so great. (laughs) We can have way too much fun going back and forth on this. Every single time. Um, And we're going to have fun today talking about how to cover an event like a media company. Both of us have a background in traditional media, which we try to bring into the work we do here. But um, thinking about covering an event like a media company, I think, is kind of a novel concept for corporations, nonprofits. It's not something they always think about, but... It can go a really long way towards getting the most out of their event, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, what's interesting is, it's funny, I've heard a lot of people say, I want my company to act like a media company, not like a insurance agency, not like a beverage company, but more like a media company. And while so many people say that, very few actually do. But what was really interesting is that, you know, when we talk about events and how it can be so content heavy, and that being, you know, all of your thought leaders are all in one place at one point in time, and it's very rare that you have that opportunity like that. So how do you leverage that and really cover the event the way a newspaper or TV station, a radio station would actually do that? And the reason why this conversation is coming about, not just because we like the topic, but because I was recently at an event where it was put on by a newspaper company, right. and it showed how they went out and they actually covered the their own event, and it was really cool and interesting to see. So that's what kind of this conversation is really stemming from. Yeah, absolutely, and I want to get into some of the specifics of what you saw at that event and some lessons learned, but before we do, let's take a step back. What does it even mean to cover an event like a media company? What are we talking about? Like, when you work in TV, there's certain things you do and certain ways you approach topics and the speed at which you do things and the type of content you get. In your mind, what does it mean to cover an event as if you were a media company? Speed and mass production is the-, the Those are the two key things, Really, right? those are the two things more than anything else. If you're operating as a news company, it's who's going to get the story out first, right? Who's going to break the news and how are you going to do that? And then obviously there's longer form pieces that are for your sweeps months, right? You know, in the, the spring and fall that you're really trying to get those ratings up, which are, you know, a little bit more deep dives and really thoughtful and investigative journalism. But at the end of the day, you've got to put stuff out you know, for the news, I, I worked in TV at 5 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, and advanced the story the whole week long um, and always coming up with new ideas. So when we're talking about how do you operate like a media company, it's putting out good quality content but also at an incredibly fast rate on a consistent basis. So that's what a lot of companies do, and they, you know, oftentimes will reach out to us and say, can I put out this one video? That's great. Well, you can certainly do that. That's no problem. But you're not operating as like a media company in that fashion. If you do that every single day and all the time, then you are, and that's how you start to um, change your mindset and change your thinking. You mentioned speed and mass delivery of content, and I think a lot of people say they want to have their organization work like a media company, and they maybe don't even understand what the implication of that is. Um, there's a reason that there's high burnout in in traditional news. Of course. It's, it's hard to do, right? So what are some of the challenges and what are some of the things you think, before we get into some of the specifics, 
what are some things organizations need to think about if they want to set themselves up for success at their event in order to have this approach? It's your kind of like almost like your editorial process, right? Setting it up ahead of time and knowing here, this is what we are going to cover. This is what we're hoping to put out and the amount of content that we're going to do. And then also from a review cycle, from an editing standpoint, who are going to be the people that need to look at this before it hits the airwaves, before it hits the press release, right? I know in television for us, it would be, we'd you know shoot the story, do the interviews, come back, edit it, write everything, put it together in about two hours worth of time. And then we'd say, hey, news director, hey, um, sports director, could you take a look at this real quick? Just get eyes on it. They would always read all of our stories before we'd um, go in and voice over any single one of them, but then they'd you know put their eyes on it real, very quickly and they'd have trust in us as the reporters and the people creating the content that it was going to hit the mark. So they, we'd be able to put out 10 stories a day from different reporters and different people. So to me, if you are going to act in that way as a company, as a brand, know going into an event, I'm, we're going to put out a story on these 10 topics, right, over one day. These 10 topics, we're going to have 10 different stories. In order for us to get them out fast, when we're done writing one, when we're done recording one, we're going to have XYZ person look at it, usually just one person. You don't need 15 people to, to look at it, to review, to go back and forth. Because you know we always say, you know don't let perfect get in the way of something that's already great, right? Make sure that we can put together something that's fantastic that people are going to love and don't Go back and forth on some of the little ticky-tack edits. Obviously, grammar is a huge thing. Make sure we're paying attention to that. But at the end of the day, some people on the other end don't really care as much as you do. It doesn't have to be perfect because nothing is actually perfect. So yeah. putting it out there really fast. So getting that editorial process down is huge. I want to. I feel like I'm going to jump ahead too much here, and I want to talk about the difference between news gathering for live versus news gathering for content on demand and the mm -hmm. differences. But yeah. before we even get to that, um, you were just at an event recently hosted by a news company, and so obviously this is their mindset. Talk to me a little bit about some of the things you saw at that event and some of the things that event organizers who aren't news organizations might be able to take from that and apply to their own event in terms of what are we doing on site, who are we talking to, what types of content are we churning out, what are some of the things you saw at that event that you think might be useful for other event organizers? So a couple of things that was really cool and really interesting to see is that, and it kind of brought me back to my roots when I was watching it. So this event was for healthcare professionals. And <clears throat> what they were actually doing was like, while they had the stage, they had the audience, the people that were there in the room, and they also were live streaming it. So that was step one, making sure that we can reach as many people as possible, get live as many eyeballs moment. live in the moment at that moment in time. But every single time someone took the stage, they would talk for, 45 minutes to an hour. As soon as that wrapped up, they were coming to our photographers saying, do you have pictures of X, this person that was on stage? And of course, because of planning, they did. They did, right? because they knew we want to make sure that we get it, and they worked with us ahead of time to say, hey, after some of these big key sessions, I need to make sure that we're able to offload some of the pictures, because we're not just going to be posting it up on Instagram or on social media, we're going to be writing press releases, we're going to be writing blog posts, and all sorts of different content out about that specific um, topic. So ahead of time, they worked with us to know when our offload times were going to be. And when some of the prominent speakers would be done, they had a blog post or a, um, a an article that would go in their publication after every single speaker. So over the course of the day, say they have 10 different people take main stage. That's 10 individual posts. We're not talking about social media. We're talking about articles and blog posts, the written word, because they would have a reporter 
write one. And then come back in the afternoon, write another one. And when you're putting stuff out that fast, obviously it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to be pretty darn good too. Right. And it starts with the content itself being interesting mm -hmm. and engaging. And I think um, having a good plan and knowing, you know, you talk about writing these posts up in the moment and perfect being the enemy of good and all of that. Um, there's also a component here of just like you've put in the work to put together an interesting event, trusting that you've done a good job with that and that it is interesting to your audience and it's worth your audience's mm -hmm. time. I think sometimes people say like, oh, well, no, you know, no one's going to read it. Well, if that's the case, then, you know, you shouldn't be putting right. on the event in the first place. The event's either worthwhile or it isn't. And in most cases, you get to that point and it is, right? For your certain audience, it is. Um, you talked about live and you mentioned, oh, this isn't social. Well, part of, you know, treating your your organization like um, like a news organization, your event like a news organization is social media mm -hmm. and those live updates as well. So I would assume there was a pretty robust social component going along with this live. We worked well. directly with their social team, so we were, you know, going over. With, we snapped you know thousands of pictures, right? And at every offload point, when the, it was usually during the coffee breaks, morning coffee break, afternoon coffee break, it was the um, lunchtime hour and after the show. So we had four different times that we were offloading footage. And during those times we were saying, okay, here's what they were actually asking for. It was really cool. They put together a, a media kit beforehand of, hey, here's the types of shots we want. Not just, oh, I like you know the blurry background and I like the colors like this. They were saying, no, I like it. We want pictures like this with a little bit more in the, um, emptiness in the foreground because we want to make sure we could put quotes mm -hmm. in the front. Planning Thinking ahead, right. not just, oh, I want to upload an album to right. social. They want to create quote graphics. They're thinking of the end product before they exactly. ever even get on site. They were yeah. taking pictures. They want to say, you know, while more often than not, you typically take a um, like a 16 by nine photo in landscape. They said, nope, we actually will really want the vertical photos because we're gonna leverage these on Instagram stories more. Right. And, and, obviously I, and I was following along, I wasn't at this event and I did see, you know, their, uh, this organization's Instagram story was full, constantly updated. And because you had that plan going in, the picture, the photos were all formatted beautifully. And mm -hmm. like scrolling through that, tapping through that story was like a really, really visually, um, capturing engaging way to kind of follow the event along through the course of the day from afar which which i was able to do as someone who yeah, wasn't there and to that point like it all goes down to planning ahead of time right and when i talk about the articles one of the things that i think is really funny is anytime we cover an event a lot of folks will just write a wrap-up you know here's everything that went on and they might include like a line from one prominent speaker and they talk about how great it is but when it comes to that you're not thinking about your end audience right your end audience wants you to act like a media company they don't want to read a recap video or watch a recap video or, or read a um, recap article they would much rather say oh yeah that was, sounds like a great event i wish i could have been there right they would much rather say, oh, what did... Give me the value. Yeah, well, yeah. what did they say? How did yeah. they... How are you advancing the story, right, right? right? And that's how, you know, as a journalist... And here's does, what happened is not advancing the story. No, not at all. Right? Like, yeah, here's yeah. what happened is just kind of playing in the And those highlight videos too. are nice, and they can serve a nice purpose, but that's not all you should do, right? Those highlight videos mm -hmm. of here's what happened are great for the people who attended. Like, oh, yep. that was a nice thing. When you're promoting next year's event, being like reminding people... Oh, that's a cool thing. I'd like to be a part mm -hmm. of that again. But it's not um, it's not the end all be all. There's a lot else you can do. Exactly. So we like 
while we were on site, you know, from our side of things, we were doing photo and video. We weren't streaming the, the main stage. We didn't produce the main stage. We were there mm -hmm. to capture sound bites for people to one, talk about how great it was because they want to use it, not so much as a wrap up, but more as a teaser for next year Promote to try to sell registration tickets. For the next same time. thing yeah. for sponsors. They want to do the exact same thing from a sponsorship side of thing. Why did you sponsor this? Why was it important to you? And what so did you get out of it? And what did you yeah. get out of it so that they can go to another set of sponsors and say, hey, see what you're. Dropping cups <laughs> everywhere. What your biggest competitor was doing. What, this is why you should be here. This is why you should spend money to be here as well. So there's that part of it. But they also want to go ahead and make sure that they interview everybody. I have water everywhere right now, by the way. It's okay. It happens. Um, <clears throat> but they really want to make sure that they can go in afterwards and say, we spoke to some of the speakers, and we actually were asking them to give us like the 30,000-foot view of their speech, some of their, their key moments that, that they could elaborate on so they could then use those on social media in some of their articles to make their articles more dynamic and keep going. And it just kind of becomes this wheel of content, which is, is, is amazing. And I was going to ask you why specifically an event is a good place to start with this because you mentioned I think probably about five or ten years ago there was a movement for like Every organization should be like a media company all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's a great goal to set, but that's but it's really hard. That's really ambitious. Yeah. Chopping it down to size and saying, we're going to treat our event, we're going to be like a news organization at an event, mm -hmm. that really chops it down to an achievable thing where it's one or two days. Um, and so what I wanted to talk to you about was why an event is a good opportunity to do that. Um, there's thought leaders there, there's sponsors there, there's leaders in the field there. There's all these people there in one place, and the live sure is important, but one of the things that we've seen people be really successful with when they have this approach is thinking about what are the topics we want to talk about over the next three, six, nine, mm -hmm. 12 months, and how can we get people who are at this event to give us content that's going to allow us to produce stories about that over a longer period of time, evergreen type of content. If you're in medical journalism, right, yep. it might be about you know, the state of vaccines. It might be about... It's a vaccine. It's about um, public health, right? right? It's the state of public health. Those were the kind of the topics. Like right now, I'm looking over your shoulder and I'm seeing a ring light right now, right? The uh, lighting conference, uh, the LDI um, just wrapped up in Las Vegas over the weekend. And that event is all about lighting and lighting the stage and lighting for professionals and events and things like that. That is the only time of year where you're going to have all of the major players from the lighting from the events lighting industry in the same room and right. when i we joke about that all oh, they're on the same room they are literally in the exact right. same room there are four walls all the manufacturers are right there we're not just what's the latest and greatest product what's the trend in the industry yeah. what are we seeing for backgrounds what are we seeing for things that people are going to want to read about in six months from yes. now right and, and how do we keep it you there? talked about um editorial and, and pre-planning Really, what all that means is you need to go into the event with a plan to say, what are some of the topics we want to talk about in our own marketing over the mm -hmm. next three, six, nine months? Let's ask people questions that are going to get us there as opposed to because it is fairly easy to say, oh, we're just going to go talk to people. Right. But then mm -hmm. you come out of it and you say, well, what did we even what do we even talk to all these experts about? We had this opportunity and maybe we blew it. You need to go in with an understanding of like, what are the actual things we're going to want to talk about? And let's ask questions that are going to get these people to talk about those things in a way that we can use down the line. So the hard part is you do have to have a fairly thorough understanding of like what your marketing is going to look like mm -hmm. so that you can ask questions that are going to inform that. Right. Yep. Um, so what are the benefits, I guess, of acting this way? You know, we're, we're talking about creating a lot of content and a ton mm -hmm. of posts and everything. 
when you think about if you're an event organizer, like why should they do it? What kind of benefits might they see if they approach their event like this? Well, we always joke, you know, we do so many events, right? How many events have we in this past year? We should tally it up to see exactly how many events we've really it's done. It's been a lot. Yeah. Of course, the year, but say, you know, we've done 100 events, just to throw out a random number. Say we've done 100 events, we always say, well, what happens when the event ends? And this is the same thing we've talked about so many years now, but the event ends and nothing ever actually happens after. The conversation doesn't continue. So one, this is the way to keep the, con the conversation going. It's to keep people engaged with your event, no matter whether it's a lighting conference, whether it's a um, audio production conference, whether it's a medical conference, whatever it may be. It's to keep you at the forefront of people's mind, not saying like, yeah, I attended that conference, or maybe I didn't attend that conference six months ago, but it's still on people's mind until it comes full circle again. So it's keeping people engaged throughout the course of the year until you hopefully potentially do it again. It's also a great way for marketing, honestly, to keep people engaged with your brand because while you might have thrown a conference, your brand or company might not just be a conference company. I mean, there are some brands out there that that's all they do, but other things, whether it's a furniture conference, right? My, my wife goes to furniture conferences all the time um, to bring things into her store. And if she just said, okay, I went to it one time and I never saw any images of those couches, of those armoires, of those tables, of those desks ever again, it's going to fall off our radar. And guess what? There's another company that is doing that. So you have to stay in front of folks that right, way. Right, right. Yeah, I think for every conference, there's an engaged audience. If you have enough of an audience to show up in person, you have an audience that exactly. cares about the content. And if they care enough to pay and show up in person, then they probably care enough to hear about it on demand too, right? And on site, these were all medical professionals, right? So you think, you know, these people are all wearing, you know, lab jackets and coming out of the ER. No, they were all um, very high level, C-level executives um, in the public health field for different organizations, so, you know, <laughs> vaccines included. But what was funny is I actually saw one person that missed out on a few sessions because she was literally trying to get Taylor Swift tickets in the <laughs> middle of this. So you, you could tell when the time is that we're recording this based on that um, conversation. But in all honesty, it might not be Taylor Swift, but it might be the fact that they weren't able to come in because they had something going on at home or yeah, they had to step out or they had they had to do or they had to do a meeting right. um, at their office or something along those lines not everybody has the ability to sit down and watch all 8 to 10 hours worth of programming at that moment in time while they do want to get as much as they can they can't get to all of it so you want to make it accessible for everybody as well too the biggest thing for me that i think i can i can give for advice if people want to try to approach it this way is talk to your marketing team mm -hmm. right before your event well before your event and say what kinds of things are you seeing get traction what kind of topics you know do you want to create content about in a perfect world you know what what would you have experts in this field talking about that you could use to post over the next couple of months um, bring in your marketing department and make the plan based on their needs, right? Mm -hmm. um, because then you can go into the event and make a little bit of a better plan. But like, I think a lot of times we see people go in and they say, oh, this is what I think we need. This is what, you know, from the event, we're promoting the event, the event, the event. But to your point, you're likely not just an events company, you're doing something else, right? And so you should bring that marketing team into the fold. You're not just promoting an event, right? And that's why that event highlight reel isn't the only thing you should be thinking of. Bring in that marketing team and say, what are the things you struggle to create content about throughout the course of the year? What better opportunity than when we have all these C-level executives and all these people who are important in this field together in one place 
let's create some stuff that way. And it's a perfect opportunity for multimedia. You can set up a setup just like this. We've seen people do it at industry conferences where they have a podcast set up there, right? They recorded a podcast live on stage. That was one thing I didn't even mention. I totally forgot until you said they literally recorded a podcast on stage that they release over the course of time. And they were recording them in little side rooms. That's what Any, I mean. You don't need a big space. You don't, yeah. No, this is, I mean, we're not in a very big room right now. And right. how many people that people are there in hotel rooms right. at the hotel, you can go record it at in one of the suites at the table, right? Yep. You, you have the ability to do that. And honestly, one of the things I was actually thinking about when we were starting to talk about this after I came in from the event, I was kind of excited about it because I, I saw people you know, ebbing and flowing and you know, creating so much on site. But it's almost like you have your event organizer, you have your marketing team, you almost need the event editor, right? The person mm -hmm. that's like your editor in chief that's saying, all right, who's working on what story right now. Yes. And it might be one person, right? It might be two people that are your boots on the ground, but that person is making sure that, all right, we're getting all of this content. We're achieving that. There's another part to what you're saying too, which is keeping track of what you get. Yes. Because we see it sometimes. You get back and you've got, you know, I don't know uh, how many terabytes worth of data, right? You got a couple terabytes mm -hmm. worth of data that you shot and you have 20 different interviews. Each interview covers 12 different topics. That editor can keep track a little bit and say, we have John Smith talking about topics A, B, and C. We have, you know, Paula Smith talking about, you know, topics C, D, and E. A lot D of Smiths e. at this conference. Yeah, 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 I'm not very creative no, with absolutely. Names. But with that in mind, usually, you know, at a newspaper or at a TV news station, that editor, that news director, usually has almost a photographic memory of things mm -hmm. that were captured over the course of time. And, you know, you might not have it right now and you're using it at this moment in time or within six months from now. But... In month seven or eight, there's probably going to be something that happens that you say, wait a second, this didn't I speak that. Right. to that person at our event and we caught it on camera? All I need is that 15 second soundbite. And all of a sudden, my article right now makes it look like, oh, well, we talked to them a long time ago. We're way ahead of the game. Yep. Not just trying to clamor and grab those interviews now. And that's, you talked about pre-planning, but that's that person on, st on staff, on site, who can keep track of what you're capturing that's going to make your content that you capture have legs and that's yep. what's going to make it worthwhile for a really long time and allow you to make the most of it. So I guess as we come to the end here, big takeaways, things you'd want, you know, a normal brand hosting a trade show or a conference to think about what, what's, what are some of the biggest things you'd want them to, to walk away from this doing? You know, I don't have like the magic three bullet. specific <laughs> tips and tricks, but it's, it's one, have that, that appointed editor and it doesn't necessarily have to be the person that's the editor the entire time, but your event doesn't need just like an organizer it needs an, uh, an editor as well from a content perspective so having one person in charge that's coming up with here's our plan and that's the next thing go into it with some sort of a plan of here's when we're going to offload photos here's what i want pictures of here's where we're going to use these photos and the third thing is if you have a true conference where it's one person takes the stage another person takes the stage every single one of those should be a blog post, an article, social media posts throughout the course of those, those that day, those days, that week, however long your event is, because you're going to generate an infinite amount of content. It's not just for you to say, oh, great, we had this wonderful event, and here come view it all behind a reg wall. That's not going to happen. How many times have you signed up, said I can't attend this, I'm gonna watch it on demand, I'm gonna pay for it on demand. It just doesn't, people don't have time. But if you have an article, I might read it. I'm now engaging with your brand and maybe I will go watch the full session. So yep. 
Yeah, I think bottom line is if your company is hosting an event, there should never come a time throughout the course of the year where somebody internally says, we don't have any content to post, right? Yep. If you have an event, you have content. It's just a matter of doing the planning and doing the work. Absolutely. And it gets stuff in the can for you too, which that helps on slow news days too. This is a good conversation. (laughs) It's really, it's inspiring to me because everyone can do better and everyone can create more and treat, you know, ultimately, like I said, I think the ambitious goal is to treat every day this way and act like a news organization every day, but good place to start with an event. This is awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Thanks so much. And thanks for listening to another episode of the Create Smarter Podcast. We will see you next time.